Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we are watching the 1983 Oscars. The 55th Academy Awards. Yay! Live from the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion on America's Broadcasting Network. Whee! Wow, this one was bad. It was really bad. Like, uh, yeah, it was just bad. I've never seen one of these. The 75 one was, like, awkward, but it yeah. was still produced. Yeah, like, they were still doing something. <laughs> they did nothing this year. No, it's very clear they did nothing. And, like, they didn't plan anything at all. We're we're only seeing the clips that come from YouTube because they've kept a lot of archival footage. But even just skipping through that stuff, you just go, wow, they just let y'all riff and let y'all hang out to dry. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, uh, it's it's not good. It's just, it was not good. <laughs> I was very much like, I do not want to watch this. It's one of the more boring ones we've ever had to see. And like, I'm I'm weirdly longing for Bob Hope all of a sudden. <laughs> mm-hmm. At least that guy knows how to host a fucking awards show. All right. Well, our hosts for this evening of Academy Awards Entertainment, four total, we have Liza Minnelli, Dudley Moore, Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. and Walter Matthau. Huh? Yeah. First of all, which one of these is not like the other? It's Walter Matthau. <laughs> Because it's 1983. What the fuck is that man doing hosting shit? Yeah, nothing. Yep. He would have been fine as a presenter. And he's a very funny man on stage. Mm-hmm. Like he is. He's got a perfect dry wit that works really well. We watched him do this in, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's very good at it. But he's at a place for this thing. Yeah. Everybody else, Liza's doing great. I have no complaints. Liza is the one who's actually performing. Without her, this would have just been, it it would have been nothing. Dudley Moore, I get it. He's charismatic. This was definitely his time. Wow, who was he drunk? Yeah, he was drunk. And uh, Richard Pryor, like, I get it, but he's not a host. Comedians don't equal host. Yeah, they can. Some of them are very good at it, but it's a completely different skill set. They also, it's Richard Pryor, and it's 1983, so Richard has to, like, tone himself down for network TV, Mm -hmm. and Richard's so much better when he's not constrained. True. When you let Richard Pryor come up with the bits himself, Mm -hmm. if you told him, like, we just can't get censored, right? But we'll let you go as spiky and deep as you want to hit. He would have been Chris Rock level good. Mm -hmm. But he's got both his hands tied behind his back. And it just, it it it's not Richard Pryor. (laughs) He's funny. He's very, very funny. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work because they're not letting him do what he's best at as a comedian. Mm Mm-hmm. It's such a weird pairing, and they do a song at the beginning that it might be one of the worst things I've ever seen on television. It it was not good. The moment of truth is here. 
There are thousands of craftsmen and women too, loaded with technical skills, <coughs> who all do their part for the state of the art. And some of them. Of the 417 films they made, there was many a worthy try. But It All Comes Down to This was roundly panned by the critics at the time. Everybody who watched this telecast talked about how terrible that song was. Mm-hmm. Buzz Cohen, who wrote the lyrics for the song, said, quote, They were all scared stiff, but ordinarily, if you're scared, you put in the time and rehearse. They took the opposite approach. So, Liza was forced to carry the number, Walter was singing in his own zone somewhere, Dudley was just trying to walk down these steps without falling, and Richard Pryor, well, I think they told him the next day that he was there, unquote. <laughs> okay. It's a fucking train wreck. It's just a whole ass train wreck. Richard Pryor's up there at one point, and the stagehands are, like, loudly shuffling shit across the stage. Mm-hmm. And, like, he has to turn around being like, what the fuck? It, it just... It's just sad and bad. It was like watching a local cable station do theater awards. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, this was a broadcast on network television. Yeah. One other fun note about this year. It was the first year that Barbara Walters did her annual Oscars interview special. Oh, cool. Uh, she would end that when she retired formally from broadcasting. This is mm-hmm. the first year that she did that. Cool. I used to. Yeah, I used to enjoy this. All right. Well, let's go down the numbers of multiple award nominees, Mm -hmm. and specifically talking about the movies that we've seen for this show. There's a lot of them, including stuff as we've discussed that we saw before we got to this series. Yes. With the most nominations, no surprise here. Gandhi with eleven award nominations. Mm -hmm. Tootsie comes in with. 10 awards nominations. E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which we have not discussed, but is a Spielberg classic mm-hmm. that many of us have seen in our childhoods. Yes, I have definitely seen that movie. Comes in at nine nominations. Mm. Victor Victoria has seven. Mm, okay. Das Boat and An Officer and a Gentleman have six. Sophie's Choice and the Verdict coming in with five. Okay. Missing with four nominations. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist with three nominations. Oh, interesting. Okay. And all with two nominations Annie, Blade Runner, Francis, La Traviata, Tron, and The World According to Garp. Interesting. There were some movies that dominated the categories. Mm-hmm. It was Gandhi, Tootsie, and E.T. Those were the biggest movies of the year forever. Yeah. But for a lot of other stuff, the awards got spread out. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, just looking back on this slate of movies, what a great underrated year. Yes. Like, this is not the pinnacle year of like 1981 when Raiders comes out or 
there's some big years in cinema. I think 84 is another one like that where like these giant, giant films dominate everything. Mm-hmm. So let's get to it and talk about the awards. Presenting Best Supporting Actor are an incredibly young Christopher Reeve and Susan Sarandon. This was so weird. (laughs) And then I have to remind myself that he hasn't been gone that long. No, and you just go, oh man, y'all were like movie star, movie stars. Mm -hmm. All right, nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Charles Durning from The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Mm -hmm. John Lithgow for The World According to Garp. Okay. James Mason for The Verdict. Okay. Robert Preston for Victor Victoria. Awesome. And winning this year, Lewis Gossett Jr. for An Officer and a Gentleman. Yeah. I can't be mad about it. Like, like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not mad about it at all. But, you know, when I look at that list, who was the one you listed before? Robert Preston, Victor Victoria. Yes. You know, my my gut instinct is to go with Robert Preston. Mm, interesting. I would have picked Lithgow or Mason. I wouldn't have picked either of them because they're completely replaceable. And it's while their performances are great and the nomination I'm not mad about, they don't have the weight that the other guys have. Hmm, they just don't. Robert Preston, it's barely a, a, a supporting character. It's almost a, a best actor. That's fair. You could make that argument. And that's how important that character is. And that performance is fabulous. Same thing, Lewis Gossett Jr. I mean, without that character and without someone that impactful, that movie falls apart. Yeah, that that really does seal the deal. I will say this. The only person I would have been a little upset about winning is Charles Durning, because it really is just a cameo feature. Yes. Even though it's one of my favorite things. Like, it's so fun. He's very fun, but... I don't want him winning. No, and I I honestly think that the nomination is a waste. I I think you nominate him for Tootsie instead. Yeah. I think he's he's just as good and more powerful in Tootsie. I forgot he was in Tootsie. I know. We saw so many of the movies this year. But I, I think that's really what seals the deal here, is that Louis Gossett Jr., is so crucial to the success of that film. Yes, he is. You know, there's other great performances, but without him mm-hmm. and the gravitas he gives it, yes, that movie falls apart relatively quickly. You know, it kind of mo- falls apart anyways. But yeah, it's he's great. I'm happy for him. I am too. I am too. All right, best makeup. We have to mention this only because Gandhi was nominated. Okay. And that's not a not a bad nomination, honestly. No. But the winner is Quest for Fire. Okay. A movie about prehistoric people, so. All right. All right, let's go to the music awards with an incredible pairing. Share mm-hmm. and Placido Domingo. <laughs> I only know who Placido Domingo is because of Sesame Street. Well, the three tenors. I mean, come on. (laughs) I only know who he is because of Sesame Street. (laughs) But like Placido Domingo's low key just trying to hit on Cher the whole time and Cher's just not having it. She could care less. Uh, It's so fucking weird and fun. It's adorable. It's the weirdest combo ever. But... 
they're both very good musicians so mm-hmm. for original score the nominees were gandhi for ravi shankar and george fenton mm-hmm. an officer and a gentleman jack nietzsche poltergeist jerry goldsmith which we talked about at the time mm-hmm. it's a good score it is Sophie's Choice, Marvin Hamlish, but the winner for E.T. the Extraterrestrial, John Williams. I mean, I can't be mad about that at all. It's John Williams, and it's it was an instant classic piece of music. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no getting around that. I will say that both Gandhi and Poltergeist have really incredible and effective scores. Mm-hmm. I think they would have been my like number twos because they just do a whole lot for the film. Sure. And Sophie's Choice standalone, I think, was a, just a beautiful piece of music. Okay. But as John Williams, how can you be mad? No. The dude does good work. No. And for song or adaptation score, which was still a category at this time, mm-hmm. we have Annie, Ralph Burns. One from the heart, the Francis Ford Coppola failed musical (laughs) with music by Tom Waits. That feels weird. (laughs) But the winner goes to Victor Victoria for Henry Mancini and Leslie Bricuse. Hmm, Henry Mancini, this uh, a a nice little nod to Blake Edwards because of their longtime partnership together. Very cool. And the music's so good for that movie. It's just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I like both of these. They're both very good choices. Mm-hmm. Next up, in his super young, ridiculous phase, Steve Gutenberg and Anne Reinking. <laughs> yeah, and she looks so different here that I seriously was like, wait, who is that? I know who she is, but who is she? Wait, what? Yeah, no, it's what's her face herself for Manny. Mm-hmm. She's so incredibly stiff. Like, you feel like she's nervous, and Steve Gutenberg's just up there being Steve Gutenberg. Yes. Which, good for him. Yeah. And they are up to present best costume design. The nominees were La Traviata, Sophie's Choice, mm. Tron, which I think is an awesome nomination. Yes, very well deserved. Victor Victoria. Also, des- you know, deserved. We talked about the technical work that had to be put into those costumes. Mm-hmm. But the winner is Gandhi. One of the co-designers for Gandhi, Banu Ataya, becomes the first Indian to win an Academy Award. Okay. I love the historical win. Mm-hmm. I hate the win before the movie. <sighs> because this comes down to, and this is always where I fall on this. It is. Yeah. This is where I fall. I do not want to award historical accuracy over creativity. I just, I, I will be shocked when a time comes where that is my choice, where I choose a Gandhi over a Tron. Like, I, that's just where it comes to me. And that's not to say that there is not true costume design when making a historically accurate piece. I'm not doing that at all. There is tons of creativity, but it's a completely different lane. And the thing that I want is who did their job the best? Who serviced their film the best through costumes? In this category, it's Tron. Without those costumes, you fucked. 
I hesitate only in the sense that the scale of the costume work devoted for that film, because speaking to that extra scene of 300,000, they were providing garments. Mm, I don't care. (laughs) The scale and amount of work that had to go into it, I, I don't know. I understand your point. I know you do, because I've made it many times. (laughs) And I don't necessarily disagree, Mm -hmm. but I feel like in this specific instance, the exception proves the rule. That in this one case, the amount of work and craft that was needed to put together those costumes for that film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that they were spinning thread and and the craft detail that they went into i think that's why this one deserves its place here and see i just don't buy that at all Hmm. because just because your film has more people in it does not mean that your costumes were more impactful yeah it just doesn't i mean my first thought is well then that means titanic deserves something win and it's like well titanic did win (laughs) yeah and i haven't i haven't really looked at the nominees that year but that might be the movie where i decide yeah that one deserved it compared to the others i'll have to go look at that this is an interesting argument but i'm i'm not the scale of that film if you're looking at just that scene then okay fine the effort involved but that doesn't mean that it's a greater artistic or creative endeavor than the other ones that were nominated Mm. so like for tron there's no reference for this (laughs) like i'm sure there were things that they pulled to inspire them but they had to come up with a lot of that shit and then make it work you have to come up with a costume that represents vector graphics like yeah there's no there's no point of reference for computer animation other than like the top secret shit Disney was working on. Yeah. Like now, if you told me that you were nominating Ready Player One, I'd be like, hold on. Hold yeah. on here. You just you're you're just gonna look at Tron and Back to the Future. This is all your reference. You're recreating bits from these movies. Doesn't mean it's not creative, doesn't mean they can't be done in a genius way that evokes certain things, but it's still its own thing. And that can't be an amazing thing that deserves a nomination. Doesn't mean it's better or it's a greater thing. I just, I always, I'm sure y'all are sick of me making this argument because I do it every <laughs> single time this happens. Every single time this happens. Yeah. Look, if Tron won an Academy Award, I would not be mad. It's one of my secret favorite movies. I love that fucking movie. I think Tron is cool. I also think Ready Player One is cool and you hated it. Ready Player One's garbage. Um, I believe that is because you read the book. I did not read the book, so I had nothing to compare it to. So I just went into the film enjoying it as the film. It's still hot, hot garbage. And didn't right. say it was a great film. I enjoyed it. <laughs> we will celebrate the first Indian winning an Academy yes, Award. And absolutely. hopefully someday we sure. actually get, you know, a director. Get, yes. some, get some nods here. That would be fun. I want to see a lot of different people in all the categories. Oh, all of them. All right. Well, for the presenter of the evening, 
It's not Elizabeth McGovern, who seems just nervous as shit to be on television, Mm -hmm. but the brand new to movie stardom, Eddie Murphy. Oh, yes. He got the joke of the night. He did. It is fabulous. And it still rings true. It still holds today. Best visual effects. You know, before we get to that, you know what I'm thinking about? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What? I can't guess. Ten women in the audience within like a week or so are going to get picked for like the worst best dressed at the Oscars in People Magazine. (laughs) And I think that's funny. What were you going to say? You do. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you can tell he was definitely a little nervous. Yes, you can tell. It's like, this is not my lane. This is not my lane. I don't even think it was that. It was just like, okay, this is the biggest audience I've ever been in front of. But he's still Eddie fucking Murphy. Yep. And this is this is before Raw. Like this is before the like giant mega startup. Mm-hmm. But they do reference here that he had just appeared in Forty Eight Hours. So like this okay. was the moment he arrived nationally. They are presenting best visual effects, mm. and our nominees are Blade Runner, one of our very first movies. That was movie number two. No, three. Ah. One was Raising Arizona. Two was Goonies. Three was Blade Runner. There you go. Poltergeist. Cool. And the winner, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yep. Deserved. Yeah. Part of me looking back would go Blade Runner. Like, I know Blade Runner is not as good a movie as E.T., but it is still stunning. It is. The vision behind Blade Runner to me is just so grand Mm -hmm. and wild that I'm just like, man, give it to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the one thing it did so well. But, you know, I'm not going to complain. E.T. is such a magnificent movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We have Jamie Lee Curtis and Carl Weathers both being flirty in the best way. Mm Mm-hmm. It was adorable. Mm-hmm. They are here to present best sound effects editing. Mm-hmm. We have Das Boat, Poltergeist, but the winner is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. No. Uh, I understand. I, I can understand why, but no. Like, honestly, I'm, again, this comes from, <laughs> it goes to like recreating what would actually happen versus coming up with it completely. I would go with Poltergeist, but I would be very happy for Das Boot. Boat. I will never say it correctly. <laughs> At this point, it, I do it just to annoy you. Ugh. It's like when I say pecans. Um, you know what? I would I would agree with you because of the editing requires a a trick of how you're going to think through um creating the sound, figuring out how to make it work, and that sort of creativity level of figuring out how to make these specters come to life. Mm-hmm. We'll get to where I think Das Boat definitely should win. <laughs> okay. But I think you're right in this editing portion, because editing, of course, is where you're creating the sound effect. Well, this is specifically sound effects editing. Exactly. Um, which I, I kind like, sometimes I wish we would go back to things like that, because it's very clear what you're doing yeah yeah like the and then there's also sound mixing is where you put all the levels together to create like to create the overall sound of the film 
and we'll get to that category later. Sure. Um, it's just known as best sound in 1983. <laughs> sure. Which, like, that's fine. When you yeah. have that and sound effects editing, you're like, I can differentiate between these two things. Yep. So I think you're right. Poltergeist should be here. E.T. E. is a visual feast. It's not about the sound. It's, it's about the visuals and the score. Well, it's about the visual effects, which is the animatronic. Yeah. And... You know, and the story and the, yeah, and the score. The score it's, is so impactful. It's that John Williams shit. I know. Davey John Williams, you're the shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. E.T. did not deserve this one. All right. Coming up to the stage next, Margot Kidder and William Shatner. This was so weird. This was such a weird snippet of time. S1982. Like, all of these, I think, if you kind of rack your brain, kind of makes sense for that year. Well, yeah, I I get that, but it's just, it's still weird. It's like a weird bridge year for pop culture. Like, 1984 is when the real neon 80s started happening. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we're somewhere in between the weird death of disco late 70s and the neon new wave 80s. And so it's just this weird-ass mix of people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's part of what's going on. So they are presenting Best Art Direction. Okay. Nominated is Annie, Blade Runner, yes. La Traviata, All right. Victor Victoria, yeah. and the winner is Gandhi. Uh-uh. No. Gandhi was filmed on location. <laughs> yep. Blade Runner. <laughs> Fucking Blade Runner. All day long. I mean, it is, yeah. It's Blade Runner. I mean, you could, like if you said Annie, I'd be like rude, but okay. Victor Victoria, I would ex- I would accept because all of that was done on a set, and you felt like you were in the middle of Europe. Yeah, like that one, I accept because the sets were exquisite. But fucking Blade Runner. Girl, here's the thing: any of the other films, I wouldn't have been mad. I Hell, just Dust Boot. That would have been great. This but- film does not deserve. A fucking art direction nomination, much less an award. Again, it is a great movie. It has so much good stuff going for it. The art direction is the magnificent setting of India. <laughs> mm-hmm. You should not win an Academy Award because your location set is gorgeous. Unless you want to do best location scouting. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, the Lord of the Rings movies would win every time they popped up. Pretty much. <laughs> So I, yeah, mm-mm. that's a bad one. That's a miss. All right. Well, now coming up to the stage are Michael Keaton and Natasha Kinski. Mm-hmm. They are presenting best cinematography. Michael Keaton has the wildest fucking hair. He grew out that afro so much in the 80s. It was so weird. Mm-hmm. I like him better with the shortcut now. Nominated for best cinematography, Doss Boat, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Sophie's Choice, Tootsie, and the winner is Gandhi. No. This one I'm not as mad at. Gandhi is very exquisitely filmed. It is very beautiful. But Das Boat. It's Das Boat. Oh, man. It's Das Boat. I'm sorry. Uh, we're not going to award it to the man who had to build a giant camera rig that gyroscoped in the middle of a functioning submarine? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah. It, this belongs to Das Boot. <sighs> There's a trend coming here that I think you all can start to see. 
We're not going to be mad at every one of these, but I, uh, I'm not horribly angry about Gandhi. It would be my second choice here. Mm-hmm. Maybe Sophie's choice might edge it out for number two. Yeah. But still. All right. Our next presenters were Lisa Eilbacher, the lady cadet from An Officer and a Gentleman, mm-hmm. and David Keith from An Officer and a Gentleman. Being the most white trash version of an Oscars guest we've ever seen. Yep. And I adored it. He felt like he was trashed on cheap beer. His hair was all over the place. And I'm like, I love it. Michael Minkler, Bob Minkler, Lee Minkler, the Minkler gang, (laughs) and their buddy Jim LaRue for trying. Lisa, will you sound out the winner? And the winner is... He's having a good time. You are a dude here to just have fun and party. Good for you. All right, they were up to present the aforementioned best sound. Our nominees were Das Boat, Gandhi, Tootsie, Tron, and the winner, E.T., the extraterrestrial. This is where Das Boat should have won. Yeah, this is where Das Boat should have won that award. Absolutely. The fucking dynamics. The sound is such an important character in that movie. Yeah. Like, it is one of the most crucial parts of that movie experience. Mm-hmm. And to not award it sucks. It sucks. It's bad. It's really bad. <sighs> E.T., fine. Like, whatever. Mm-mm. The score. The score is the sound for that movie. I don't understand. Whatever. Coming up next were Tom Selleck and Raquel Welch, who have no chemistry, but Raquel's really trying. She is. God bless her. Tom's giving her nothing to work with. Nope. Oof. They are there to present Best Film Editing, and our nominees are Das Boat, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Hmm. An Officer and a Gentleman, Tootsie, and the winner is Gandhi. No. No. I'm looking at Das Boat or E.T. all the way here. Yeah. And Das Boat's a long movie, but the editing makes, works. Yeah, makes it work. The way they smash cut to different stuff, the way that they're showing the different moments for the tension of that movie. Hell, I might give it to an officer and a gentleman before Gandhi. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do Tootsie. I, no. None, these don't make sense, Diana. Why don't these make sense? I don't know. it's very frustrating all right well unfortunately we did not get to see the performances of the songs because we missed getting to watch the temptations do eye of the tiger Mm -hmm. which kind of sounds like it would have been amazing it does but we do have a very scared olivia newton john yes that was so weird she looks like a deer in headlights she Mm -hmm. looks like she's terrified to be up there But she is presenting Best Original Song. Mm-hmm. Our nominees were Eye of the Tiger from Rocky Three. How do you keep the music playing from the film Best Friends? If We Were in Love from the film Yes, Giorgio. It Might Be You from the film Tootsie. But our winner, Love Lifts Us Up Where We Belong <laughs> from An Officer and a Gentleman. I mean, I really love Eye of the Tiger. It's the shit. Okay, like, this is the known fact. But I get, I get why Love lifts us up. 
one. I do. Eye of the Tiger and Up Where We Belong serve their films really fucking well. Mm -hmm. They really do. And that's really weird to say about a very cheesy 80s song. Mm -hmm. I mean, both of them are cheesy 80s songs, but Eye of the Tiger, Eye of the Tiger just so perfectly fits Rocky Three. Yeah. And then you just factor in the the Academy voters then move towards schmaltz. They just do. Like, I, I don't know that that's the case now, but in 1983, they definitely did. Yeah. And so the more easy listening contemporary hit was probably going to edge out the rock song. That's not to say either one of those are perfectly great songs. So I think it just comes down to a style preference. Mm hmm. But I'm not mad if either of those win. Yeah. I'm mad if it might be you wins because it's straight up garbage. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at Up no. Where We Belong being this winner. All right. We now have the legendary Robert Mitchum and stunningly gorgeous Sigourney Weaver mm -hmm. up to present Best Supporting Actress. A legend and a legend in the making. What a pair. Yep. Oh, yeah. All right, our nominees for Best Supporting Actress, Glenn Close for The World According to Garp. Okay. Terry Garr for Tootsie. Mm-hmm. Kim Stanley for Francis. Okay. Leslie Ann Warren for Victor Victoria. Mm-hmm. The winner, Jessica Lange for Tootsie. What a waste. Hey, here's the thing. Good for her. Yeah. Happy for her. Yeah. And I mean, what I do appreciate is she did put in the work for that movie. It doesn't fit that movie. Exactly. But she did put in the work. I don't think she should have been nominated for that role. Well, no, absolutely not. And, you know, there, there's any number of places and people that we could nominate here outside of that. Mm -hmm. um, we could have nominated the actress who played Gandhi's wife here. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking somebody from E.T. maybe. I don't know. but Or even... Uh, that one actress from Missing, yeah, would be better in this role. Yeah, it's just it feels like a waste. It's a waste, and then it's such a waste of a win. Mm -hmm. And I know we 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 debate Leslie and Warren and Glenn Close are the one and two. For me, it's Glenn Close all the way. Yeah, I I get the Glenn Close. I just really like Leslie and Warren. They're both phenomenal. They are <laughs> in their own way. I just Glenn Close blew me away with that movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so for me, it was just like, why did you deny her then? <laughs> mm -hmm. Eight times she's been nominated. And this is one of the most deserving moments. Mm -hmm. So frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. But hey, again, I'm not mad that Jessica Lange just was complete stiff and wood and just somehow won this out of sheer who knows what. She at least put in the work. Yeah. All right, up to do screenplay awards. And I thought this was a really cool way to do this. They brought out a very longtime legendary writer, Philip Dunn. Okay. I just think this is a cool idea. Bring out a legendary screenwriter mm -hmm. to award the screenplay awards. Yeah. Somebody that they super respect. Like, it's like that best actor, best actress thing. Yeah. But in such a cool, nuanced way. <laughs> Look, when it makes sense and you're able to have the person who won last year come out yeah. and, and present to this year's winner, I like it. It's a very fun way to be like, I just joined the club. Come join this club of winners. Like, 
I like that. I think yeah. that's fun. But sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes that person's not available. Sometimes they're no longer with us. Sometimes they're in hot shit in the world. So it's like, mm, we're not going to have you at our party. <laughs> like, that's totally understandable and fine. Or maybe they're the person who won last year. And so that would just be awkward. So, like, yeah, if you can't, like, having someone on theme is really cool. So I'm into it. Yeah, I, I really, I, I appreciated it a lot. Yeah. For original screenplay, our nominees are Diner, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, An Officer and a Gentleman, Tootsie. The winner is Gandhi. (sighs) Part of me says no, part of me then starts to go, but which one of these would I pick otherwise? It would probably be E.T. I would probably be E.T., but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Tootsie. Mm, Maybe. E.T.'s the superior script out of all of these. I agree. And especially because, and I, and I don't think this was as recognized, I think this happens a lot more now, is that you'll see screenplay wins and you're like, well, how did that one win? And then you're like, oh, because the amount of visual description it took to put into that script to make it come to life was so important. Like, it's just as important for Steven to write those words as it is for him to create the image on the page. Mm-hmm. And Steven actually didn't write that one. It was somebody else. Yeah. But somebody has to come up with a way to describe that in that script so that it can actually be made viable. (laughs) The most original script, again, we come back to this, Mm -hmm. is E.T. Yep. This one should be E.T. It should be. I think so. I think so. For adapted screenplay, nominees were Das Boat, Sophie's Choice, The Verdict, Victor Victoria and the winner missing. I can't be mad about that. Mm-mm. Not, not even a little all. bit. You know, there are things that I wish they would have done differently in that film, but man, that's an effective story. It's such an impactful movie. It is. And that's not to say that the other ones aren't as well. That's a good collection of films that were nominated together. That is. That's a good that's a good that's a good category. All of the scripts in that adaptation category are phenomenal. Yeah, no, like I honestly really wouldn't be mad at any of them. Sophie's Choice is the only one that yeah, I really that's like. That's the only one, yeah, like I would understand. And the thing is, it's not that it's bad. It's just so weird. Yeah. It's so weirdly structured, but the story is so fucking good. Yeah. That it kind of overcomes that. Sure. But like, you know. I would be so ecstatic if the verdict won that that screenplay. Yeah. And no, it's David Mamet, but it's a good fucking it, script. It's a good script. It really is. <laughs> and Das Boat is so compelling because yeah. of the detail that was put in. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. We move on to another legend presenting best director, Billy Wilder. That was cool. That was fun. He... Got the other line of the night. It uh, says in the Bible, in the fifth book of the New Testament, chapter 20, verse 35, it says there, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I don't believe that. Uh, Yeah, no, he was great. He came out. I was like, that's Billy Wilder. We need to watch more of his films. That's a director series for sure. Done. Because damn, what a... What an incredible guy and so fucking funny. Yeah. He's so funny. (laughs) All right. He's got a great group 
of people to talk about. Mm-hmm. Nominated were Wolfgang Peterson for Das Boat, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg for E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Also earned. Sidney Pollock for Tootsie. Yeah. Sidney Lumet for The Verdict. Yeah. And the winner, Richard Attenborough, Attenborough. for Gandhi. I, I get it. It's, it's kind of the same reason James Cameron won for Titanic. It's just like, you did the thing. You accomplished the feat. It's also why Peter Jackson didn't win until the last one came out of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Because it was like, you did it. You finished. You did the epic. You won. I wish there were six here because I want Costa Gavras in here so badly. Yeah, I get that. I don't know where I put him, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't really swap anybody out here, but Costa Gavras's directing of Missing is truly masterful. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we had issues with the structure of the script, but the subtlety that he put into such a heavy story yeah. meant everything. And, like, I almost would put him ahead of Richard Attenborough, but there's also that whole labor of love factor for him. Mm-hmm. Took him 20 years to get that movie. Yeah. And everyone in that audience knew it. Yeah. And I, he did a good job. He really did. Do I think it's the best direction? No, but I get it. So I'm not mad about it. If Costa Gavras were in the category, I would probably give it to him. Sure. But honestly, this is where Steven should have won. I, I don't disagree. Steven's vision for that film was so singular. And so unique. It's what made that movie what it was. And like, it changed the blockbuster game. It did. Because like all the other movies, Star Wars and Raiders and, you know, whatever, The Godfather even before that with Coppola, they were all very grown up. You Mm -hmm. know, some of them were a little kid friendly, but it was like, these are grown up stories about grown ups. And this is the first time that he dared to be like, this is a movie about kids. Yeah. And like, at the same time, he's doing Poltergeist. (laughs) Yeah. But still, he's like, This is about looking through all of this wildness through the eyes of a kid. And he absolutely brilliantly understood it. Man, Richard Attenborough did so much work to get that story told, but it doesn't compare to the creativity that Stephen came up with. It just doesn't for me. Okay. Now we get a less mumbly Sylvester Stallone. Cool. To present for Best Actress. All right. The nominees are Julie Andrews for Victor Victoria. My God, she looked so beautiful. Like when I saw her in the crowd, I was like, is that Princess Diana? Because she did her profile and the way she had her hair styled was so Princess Diana. I was like, what? She's gorgeous. Jessica Lange for Francis. Barf. Worth the nomination here instead, though. True, but barf. Sissy Spacek for Missing. Yeah, she was great. So good. Deborah Winger for An Officer and a Gentleman. I get it. Yeah. I do. But the winner, Meryl Effing Streep. Yeah. Or choice. Yeah, there, no one else had a shot now. They really no. did. <laughs> I mean, you know, my number twos here are Sissy or Julie Andrews, and it'd be hard to pick between either of them. Yeah, Julie Andrews would have been my my next pick. Um, Probably she, she had to pick. She had to play so many uh, levels, yeah, and, and tones and styles within this one role. I, you know, I also I'm unapologetically in love with Julie Andrews, but it's Meryl. Yeah, you give it to Meryl. 
Stallone got a beautiful moment reminding us of what a fucking teddy bear he is by like Meryl's up there and losing. And she's also eight months pregnant. Yes. So that's not helping. But then he's up there like short, short, short speech, short speech. <laughs> so cute. He's, he's just up there being like, it's going to be okay, Meryl Street. It's just adorable. And like, she's... I love you, Sylvester Stella. <laughs> and the thing is, Meryl is also just so precious. Like, she is so humble in her acceptance of praise. She really, truly is. And it's not like you can tell it's not like this put on that she, oh, I, I'm not that wonderful. Like, she also knows I'm hot shit. Um, but it's also like, hey, it's about the work. It's okay. <laughs> She does not do false modesty. Yes. For the sake of appearances. Correct. She understands her talent, Mm -hmm. but she also has put so much effort into the craft of it. Yeah. That she she mostly wants to get up there and both accept the praise and then try to make sure she recognizes all of the help she got. She did this beautiful little tag at the end to both of her co-stars. Yes, to her co-stars. She specifically named the uh people who helped her with the language and the accents which is crucial because they were all (laughs) polish people (laughs) yeah and so it's just you know she's you know she's just awesome she's meryl and uh well deserved issues with that movie aside she's just so fucking good she's that good she's that good (laughs) all right well presenting best actor is john travolta (laughs) no it's presenting award he'll never get (laughs) Oh, 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 no. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yep. So our nominees, I think we've mentioned this before. Another stunner of a list. Dustin Hoffman for Tootsie. Yeah. Jack Lemon for Missing. Yeah. Paul Newman for The Verdict. Yeah. Peter O'Toole for My Favorite Year. Yeah. And the winner, Ben Kingsley for Gandhi. For a debut performance. Against those performances. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's he's so good. He really, I mean, the other gentlemen are fabulous, but they're also, all of them, very accomplished actors who we, okay, this makes sense for you. This makes sense for you. They're doing what we know them to do. Yeah, they're doing the absolute best version of their wheelhouse. Sure. No, no shade. Dustin's actually a little outside his wheelhouse, but he's doing a damn good job. Sort of. Uh, he, I mean, he is. He did create an entirely separate character. Yeah, that's true. He, he did. He, and he's playing a woman at that. Ben Kingsley, it's some of it, I believe, is the novelty, but he's just as talented as, as the rest of the people in his category, and he nailed it. He's as magnetic as Gandhi, as Meryl was as Sophie. Yes. Like, that's the biggest thing, is all four of those other guys are compelling and fascinating. And and for me, it'd be Lemon or Newman if I'm picking somebody else. Yeah, same. Because they're just so phenomenally invested in those characters. I mean, I'd probably go with Lemon just because ever since I saw The Apartment, I'm in love with him. I would be torn. I really would, because they're just both so phenomenally good in those movies. Let's just give them a tie. Uh, Probably, yeah. But we don't have to worry about that, because Kingsley is so magnetic. You cannot look away from him. He he is the main character. Nobody else 
gets enough screen time for me to call them a a, a significant co-star. Yeah, it's like, him. The movie he is, is him. that whole movie. He is, and he fucking carries it the whole way through. Yeah, and he doesn't feel like he has over invested himself. Sure, he feels like he has just purely captured the essence of the character. Mm-hmm. And as iffy as the story of that movie can be, he still pulls it through so well. Yes. <laughs> it's incredibly well earned. He nods to the fact that he's up against four incredibly talented actors. I always like it when the winner acknowledges the talent of their category, and you can tell it's honest and it's not just. They're saying that because that's the polite thing to do. It's just that, like, I am genuinely humbled to be in the same category with these people. Yeah, that's I. I always like it. And he for sure was in that moment. Oh, for sure. You can see it. His first um, at bat. That's all downhill from here. Well, kind of. This is the only Oscar he's ever won. So I believe he's been nominated another time. Yes, he was nominated for Sexy Beasts for sure. Okay, and you know what? That's fine. He's doing just fine for himself. He's one of my favorite surprises in the MCU. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) All right. And finally, with maybe one of the most wasted Oscars presentations I've ever seen, Carol Burnett presenting Best Picture. Did they tell her she couldn't be funny? Probably. That's frustrating. Or they're probably like, hey, we're running way too long. You got to do this fast. No, no quippiness. No <sighs> talky talks. Poor Carol. They should have yeah. just let her riff. Yeah. She would have been so fucking fun. They, should, they just had a riff about each movie. A little would've bit. Just, great. Just great. one joke about each movie would be perfect. Or maybe they didn't want to pay her fee. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. The nominees. There's only five. E.T., the extraterrestrial. Missing. Tootsie, the verdict, the winner is Gandhi. Yeah. Again, it goes back to that thing where it's like, this is a feat. And like, I, I completely agree. Just because your movie's big and accomplish something doesn't make it the best. That's fine. This, this, this is a very arbitrary uh, award system. We, we fully recognize that. And yet we're obsessed with it. <laughs> it's true. I, I'm if I'm not gonna give it to Gandhi, I feel like I want to give it to Missing. Missing would be such a stunner, right? Because it's it is an American film, but it's not from an American perspective. Sure. And I feel like the move there. I find it weird that Missing is nominated here, but not in Best Director. <laughs> eh, that that happens a lot. I know it's just so odd because you're just like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Costa Gavras is the reason for that movie being just so phenomenally good. No, I don't I don't disagree. I don't think E.T. wins here. For me, the feeling is give Steven the best director award because of the ingenuity and originality that he had to put into that. Yes. And give Gandhi this best picture award for the triumph of making that film. Yeah. Because to me, if it's like, well, you know, this is labor of love for Attenborough, it's like, yeah. Because he's the producer. He's get, he still gets the, the statue. Like, of course, he produced this movie. It took him 20 years to get this thing made. That's what you give him the award for. See, for a long time, I didn't understand that that's who gets the best picture yeah. award. 
it's the producers on the movie, yeah. which makes total sense. Well, I didn't understand that. So, and in many cases, the director is a producer. So when that's the case and people definitely know about it, they're less incentivized to nominate the director if they're more about the movie as a whole. Like, honestly, that's why Ben Affleck, I really believe Ben Affleck didn't get nominated for Argo and he should have been. He should have been. Yeah. But he got an Oscar for it because he was a producer. And I just I just sort of look at this and go, he did not have the best directorial vision. No, he didn't. It was Steven. But he he has this incredible production story. And so I'm fine with you doing that. I still yeah. think personally that the verdict missing and E.T. would all go ahead of it for me. Agreed. Agreed. Like all three of those are better films to me. Not I that agree. Gandhi's bad, but Gandhi to me is a singular performance. Yes. Well, and again, if that was it, honestly, if the only thing Gandhi got was Ben Kingsley, it would have been like, and that's Fair. what it deserves. It's, you know, it's the same thing that happened with uh, A Star is Born. You know what award it won? The one it deserved. Yeah. The song. That, that's the song that, that's the thing that made the entire movie. It's ben true. Kingsley is what made the entire movie. Is that's, if that's the only award it had won, it would have been fine. You know, there there has been long talk. A lot of people really, really, really liked the verdict and thought it getting shut out from all of these awards was ridiculous. I don't think it's ridiculous. I, I do understand it. Best original screenplay to me is like, that's where you give that movie an award. Agreed. I, I, I can agree with that. Recognize that fucking movie. It was good. Yep. I will say that somebody who agrees with us that Gandhi is probably overrepresented, is Richard Attenborough himself. Okay. See, after the award ceremony, Richard Attenborough went to Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And he told Steven, I think your film is one of the greatest things that's ever been made in movies. Mm-hmm. And I sincerely think you should be up there getting mm-hmm. these awards. He thought E.T. was the best picture. Well, that's sweet. It is thought, the rumor is... That because of this, because of him approaching and because of the way that he talked to Stephen, that Stephen may have decided that he wanted to cast Richard in Jurassic Park. I love that. That makes my heart so happy. I don't know if that's true. There's never been confirmation. I believe But I want true. it to be true. <laughs> I, in my heart, believe that it's true. <laughs> because, like, I love those things. Because... When you're making a movie, it's a labor of love. It's this big thing. You don't have to cast somebody who maybe they developed a friendship. Maybe they had nothing in common, but maybe it was just this man gave me such a kindness in a moment that had, was not about me. And I have an opportunity to give him a piece of kindness in a, in a, in a spot that he is perfect for. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Like, I just really love that thought because <laughs> I want to I, I want to believe good in this really shitty industry that I also am obsessed with. And I and I think this was a moment for Steven when he really went, wow, I need to stop giving a fuck about these awards. <laughs> you know, he'd been through this three times. He yeah. had he had Jaws. Yep. Which he was thoroughly convinced he'd made that best movie that year. And we kind of agreed with we, him. We're, we're pretty close to agreeing on that one. He made Close Encounters, which he was a little less excited about. But then he was fully convinced should get more recognition because of how 
big a deal it was. It should have been up for more technical crap. And then he brought both of those together, the story and the effects with this film. Absolutely. And he gets shut out. And I think something like that from Attenborough approaching him in that way. And again, probably should go watch the documentaries about this. But it feels like that moment for Steven is just like, man, fuck this. I should just make what I want to make and not worry about it anymore. (laughs) You know, you always want to be the person that they go, why don't they have an Oscar? Then the person like, really? They got an Oscar? And for that, fuck them. Like, I mean, that's what you want. Like, you would rather be somebody who everyone thinks deserves one than somebody who does not. And, you know, then he just and he goes on to make all sorts of crazy stuff, including the color purple relatively soon after this. I mean, (laughs) a beautiful story. It's a great film. Do we think he should not have been the person to have made it? Yes. Um, he re- I, I believe he recognizes that now, but he did a beautiful job with the story and was very loving and also oh, yeah. gave two women of color a start. And they have been so impactful to our world. Yeah. To me, this there's no reason this shouldn't have been Stevens here. You know, the thing is, the film was still very much acknowledged. E.T. did win things. It also made so much fucking money. <laughs> it made all the money. So, like, I get it, but, like, Steven be fine. In retrospect, no. But looking at this slate, I just go, there is no reason Gandhi should have taken away this many awards that night. And honestly, Richard Attenborough is going to be remembered for being Dr. Hammond and the voice of planet Earth. Yeah, that's what it is. And that's fine. I ain't <laughs> mad. I ain't mad. And that is it. For 1982 Oscars, what a fascinating year of films. But what a perfect mirror to the slate that is 2022. 40 years later, and we feel like we're repeating it again. I mean, I'll say this year too, just like then, very few just like, oof, movies. Yeah. We only had one real dud out of this whole series. And even that had performances that we could even acknowledge. These are still pretty good. Yeah, for sure. And I feel the same way about this year. Our dud this year was House of Gucci. And that was just pure fun. But like every other film has been very different, but very good. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's fascinating. I am glad that this year the nominations have definitely been spread more widely it feels like. Yeah. Noting that The Power of the Dog got 12 Academy Award nominations. It does not deserve 12. It does not deserve 12 at all. There's a couple movies that racked up a lot of award nods. But, you know, just, it is fascinating, the parallels of these years. And y'all, this was a really good year of movies. 1982 is worth exploring. And so, what's coming up next? Next, we're going to have our Oscar songs. We're, we, we've always done that. We listen to Oscar songs and we pick those apart. And then we'll lock in our final Oscar winner predictions. We'll let you know what our ballots are before the big ceremony. But before we go, we saw some new movies. This week we saw Don't Look Up. 
Two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. This film does not warrant an Oscar nomination. It's not good. I enjoyed the film, but I think its thesis statement is like flawed. And the thing that makes these types of movies from Adam McKay really good is the cheeky like point to the camera and with the explanation of things that might be overly complex and they didn't do that here other like other than like two moments and that flavor not being in this movie hurt it so i'm already at a handicap because i totally disagree with the politics of this movie and how we should deal with something like climate change or a pandemic Mm-hmm. But even setting that aside, to me, this movie doesn't work as a satire. Like the jokes aren't funny. They're just ham fisted. It feels way, way too over the top and on the nose. And all I could think while I was watching the movie was, God, I wish Ianucci had done this. Mm-hmm. Because what Ianucci would have done was not do a movie about an asteroid, it would have been a movie about actual climate change. And people Mm -hmm. bumbling their way through it. Like part of the whole thing with the satire is like you made this whole big analogy and allegory, but you didn't really do anything with it Mm -hmm. when the thing itself is so absurd that that's what will create the humor. Yeah. You know, and this is the thing is like in in McKay's two other movies, which I really enjoy. I know people have problems with Vice in particular just because they do. And I don't agree. Mm hmm. Those movies, number one, are adapted. They're taken yes. from a lot of other source material. But B, they're, they're grounded in reality. And I think it, looking at McKay, it's just like, man, you should not do something original like this. That is not your talent and your skill as a writer. Yeah, this, this film is just not very good. That's not to say that there, there aren't parts of it that are really fun and... No, the performances are enjoyable by everybody in it, but it's just not a very good movie. And it stinks because the end of it is actually really beautiful, but it doesn't pay off in any way. (laughs) It's not earned. No, and it's very frustrating. Yeah. Oh, well. I would have liked to have not put this in our awards listing for the year, but oh, well, they, they made that decision. Next, we saw The Lost Daughter. A woman's beach vacation takes a dark turn when she begins to confront the troubles of her past. This is this year's acting the movie. (laughs) Olivia Coleman's great. Dakota Johnson's great. This movie's bad. Dakota Johnson's fine. Jesse Buckley, I think, is actually very good. Okay. But I don't fucking care about anything going on in this story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not good. It's just really not good. Um, I know it's an adaptation. It's it's not a good adaptation because the story isn't good. Like the the film that we got is not good, and the direction is fine. Um, a lot of people were talking about how Maggie Gyllenhaal was snubbed. She was not snubbed in terms of direction. She got nominated for a script that sucks. So, um, yeah, no, this is this is not good. This movie's trying to say a whole lot, and it's failing pretty badly at it. And there's one of two things: either the book is trash which is entirely possible. Yep. But Maggie Gyllenhaal saw a kernel in that that she wanted to make into a movie, and so we kind of get a mess. Or it's a really solid story that only works on the page. 
Yeah. It's one of those two for me. And and without reading it, I don't know. But you just sort of go like, either there's not enough here to make a movie or there's so much you had to take out that it ruined the point of the movie. Which both can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well. A shame. Yeah, it was. Next, we saw the Batman. When the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. I really liked this movie. I liked it the first time. I love it the second time. Yes, we. Uh, this is a rare instance where we saw a movie twice. I've I've read a lot of the criticism because I'm I'm always curious when a movie's super popular, but it's popular for both people loving it and people hating it. So I, I've read some of the criticism, and some of it is fair. The movie is overly long. It's ridiculously too long. It's ridiculously long. But I don't. I think there's a lot of talk about how like some characters were subverted, and I don't think that's necessarily true. And I feel like, and everyone's like, this is just the same grumpy Batman we've always got. And that's not true either. This is Detective Batman. And this is also a Batman who, while we have gotten the let's become Batman story, this is, I already am the Batman, even though nobody calls him Batman. And he never refers to himself as that either in this film. We've never gotten... The I'm trying to figure out how this works for me as a person. And I really loved that. And I also loved that they made some choices that really speak to issues that we deal with today. So it's a very relevant story. I just think there's, in the weirdest way, they kind of cartooned up like the emotional aspects of it. Yes. And that worked to make him more real. For all the love we have for the Nolan Batman, mm-hmm. and for all the love that there are some people who love the Zack Snyder Batman, mm-hmm. both of those deal with his darkness in this very mythological archetype way. Mm-hmm. They're really exploring that sort of big, looming darkness of the superhero idea. Yeah. This movie does the exact opposite with him. Yeah. Of like, he's really fucked up. Yeah. And he knows it. And he and I, I, I think they confront it very well in this film, too. And I also think I think aside from it being too long, I would have loved more Andy Serkis as Alfred because yeah. the tone of this film, he is the absolutely perfect Alfred. And I'm not just saying that because I adore Andy Serkis. He is actually perfect for yeah. this position that they've made Alfred in this movie and it's just it's so interesting I also really love the fact that this Bruce Wayne spends the majority of the movie in his bat suit he's Batman he's not Bruce Wayne for half the movie and that's also very interesting also (laughs) this movie just like when the action sequences hit it rocks it's so fucking cool I was expecting it to be super dour, and it's not. It it suddenly jumps into like, hey, by the way, we know you came to see a popcorn movie, so here's a popcorn moment. Well, and then the amount of villains we have. I mean, I know everybody went, what the fuck, when they cast Colin Farrell as the Penguin? He's amazing. And yes. He's incredible. Here's the thing. Makeup, 
fabulous. Y'all did magic, but that's him in there. You can see it and it is amazing. And this is not a thing where I felt because a lot of times when somebody is wearing that much prosthetic makeup, you feel like that's their crutch. It is not. I genuinely believe we would have gotten just as great a performance out of Colin Farrell if he was not wearing all of that. And it would have been just as compelling as the Penguin. That's amazing. So I'm, I really liked it. I'm, I am excited for more in this series of Batmans. The more I sat with it, the more I was like, I really fucking like this version. It's really cool. I think it's also important to note that neither of us cared about Robert Pattinson as Edward Cullen in the Twilight series. So seeing him be Batman was not alarming or weird in that way. Um, I know that's that's become like a big issue for a lot of viewers. Like I just can only see him as Edward Cullen and can't they can't accept this. I understand That that. That is hard. I just, you know, I had my doubts about him and then I saw the lighthouse and I was like, well, yeah, he's going to be awesome. And God damn it, he was. <laughs> yeah. No, that was great. It's great stuff. Next, we saw the worst person in the world. The chronicles of four years in the life of Julie, a young woman who navigates the troubled waters of her love life and struggles to find her career path, leading her to take a realistic look at who she really is. So this is our Norwegian entry. Mm, our Scandinavian film of the year. This is cool. We loved the Scandinavian film last year. I'm going to say this right now. This is not the best movie that we've seen throughout this this Oscar season year, right? Mm-hmm. The the year in movies that we qualify cuz we, you know, end it after the Oscars are done. Yeah. I think this is my favorite though. It really hit me in the same way that another round hit me. I don't think it's as as good a movie like constructed and written it's not but the themes it touched on the way it went about it the the sort of whimsy that it had in dealing with what it was talking about i really liked this movie (laughs) i understand why people like this movie i do i get it um and there's one very particular line in this movie that i know is the one that everyone's going to continue to repeat because it's very appropriate for the times that we have lived in but i i don't think it's a very good story it's presented mm. very well. It's acted fabulously. I just don't think it's a very good story. It's 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 not for me, but I completely understand. I understand why people like it. Yeah. I will say people were like, Renata, the, the actress who plays Julie in this movie, deserved an Oscar nod. And I'm like, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think she could have easily been in this mix. She's so fantastic. Yes. And, you know, I, th- I think at the end of the day, this isn't a movie that's necessarily the, the best story and best written, and it got that screenplay nod. I really almost wish Joachim Trier would have been nominated for director, because that's where this movie shines. The, the directing choices that he makes and the ways he decides to visually tell the story are what's so fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. This is the movie Licorice Pizza wishes it was. Yes. It hit all those notes that that I was so disappointed in a lot of movies with this year. This one really got to me in a, in a great way. Like I said, it's not the best movie of the year, but it might be my favorite. <laughs> Finally, we saw Drive My Car. After his wife's unexpected death, Yusuke Kafuku, a renowned stage actor and director, receives an offer to direct a production of Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima. There, he begins to face the haunting mysteries his wife left behind. So this is like the longest film we had to watch. Um, 
I'm kind of torn about this one because there are things of this film that are so good. But I think overall, the film that we have misses the point that they're trying to make and misses distinct things to me that they could have done and made a wildly better film with the story they're telling. I'm not familiar enough with Uncle Vanya, (laughs) which sucks. And that's a Kubrick rule issue here, right? Yes, you do. You do. You don't have to know Uncle Vanya, but you it will help you immensely if you understand the story of Uncle Vanya. Well, because clearly they're signposting to it throughout the whole fucking movie. (laughs) Yeah. And there's not enough explanation of that to fill in holes for the audience there's movies that have done this where they where they slowly but surely parallel a a story that's gone on from some famous work Mm -hmm. and i don't know that and i'm missing context and then this whole time you know there's so much talk about the the 40 minutes before the opening credits hit and like from a pure cinema experience Yeah, I get it. People are craving that type of thing. Like they are. There are lots of people who are done with superhero movies Mm -hmm. and they're they're They've got the fatigue and they're like, I want to go to a movie and see, you know, something like this where it's just pure for the sake of using cinema to do art. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. But I feel like that's a lot of how this movie got hyped. And I don't know that the story's there to back it up. It's not. I understand, again, why it's getting praise. And I, I have to say, I am so happy that there are so many international films in our selection this year. I am. I'm just, I'm really excited about that. That makes me happy. I, this is a movie I could go back and watch a year later and be like, oh, what the fuck was I thinking? I can see it all very clearly now. Sure. So like, it, it may be a movie that you just have to sit with. I think what throws me is it got such instant praise from the critics. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was a slow burn for people to get to. It was like instantly people were like, hey, this movie's here. We've been hearing about this before they ever like started the real race on the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And then you see it and you go, I don't get it. <laughs> and I yeah. think that's that's the biggest problem is I go, well, yeah, it's a beautiful movie, but I don't get it. <laughs> I, I love I love that it's here. I, I don't hate the directing nod for this movie. No, um, I don't think it'll win at all. No. Um, but I honestly, I think the direction of this is better than uh, Power of the Dog. You're not wrong. I But I do think that the screenplay nomination here is a little unwarranted. I don't think there's enough given in this story for us to actually like pull it all the way through unlike a worst person in the world which i feel like as a story even though it's a little bit of a mess still pulls you all the way through that one deserves more of a nomination than this one right? does if they had made the changes that i i can't talk about the changes um without completely spoiling the movie yeah but if they i feel like if they had made those types of changes then it might warrant the writing <laughs> and and hard here because this is also this is adapted from a novel so it is and then there's also the other aspect that with it being subtitled, there's potentially additional context that we don't understand as uh, an American viewing audience. Yeah. Um, which uh, that's um, that's not to like try to excuse things. It's just I love that proper and accurate subtitling has become a whole thing 
and also making dubs of things um a whole performance in and of itself is another big deal i love that that's being given the respect so that other art can be more accessible um but it's just being aware that that could be an issue with our ability to enjoy aspects of this film i just want to yeah i want to i want to be aware of that but that gets us through all of our oscar movies all right so until next time have a good movie Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.